That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I am Stephen Colbert. And I'm Andrew Dice. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a minute-by-minute rewatch of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, Ultimate Edition, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, if you didn't know that already, uh, go back to episode one. You're on minute 30, and you have gone too far. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, today's uh, minute is we wrap up in the Batcave and move on to our first introduction to the man himself, Lex Luthor. We've been going through a really, we're finally like out of that prologue section. Yeah. And now I find it really cool how we've had each of these different segments with with the different characters. And so we were in Lois and Clark's apartment and we sort of had Superman and Lois's mindset sort of established there. The theme of Superman sort of not looking or not understanding that his actions have consequences which kind of, you know, we're gonna, that's going to play out through the rest of the movie. Then we go to the Batcave and we have Batman, his sort of philosophy. Like I said, everything you need to know about Batman is in that scene. And that's sort of true for these three sections. Everything you know about Superman is in the bathroom. Everything you need to know about Batman is in the Batcave. And now we meet Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor and find out everything we need to know about him. I suppose we should take this opportunity just because it's minute 30 that we've reached to kind of, I guess, circle back and remind people uh, who may be listening that uh, if you think we are worthy of a five-star review, is it iTunes now or is it like Apple Podcasts? Oh, I don't even... Apple Music? I don't even know. I think they've changed the title of well, it Well, whatever right? it is, the link is in our Twitter profile, so click whatever yeah. that takes you to. Yeah, and and like just as importantly, if not more importantly, uh, if you have a friend that really enjoys the movie or you think would enjoy this podcast, let them know. That's really the only way we have of getting more people to listen. And because this will kind of we're, – we're on minute 30 now, but we intend to do you know up to like minute uh, 170, <laughs> I think we get into, which will kind of like continue to just exist even after we're done. So in, in hopes that other people – it will always be here for people to find and listen to. So if you can recommend it to somebody, that would be neat. I guess right now they have like a half hour of the movie to cover and probably, geez, how long have we talked about this movie so far? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, what, an average of like 20 minutes per episode? So we probably, yeah. So we're now, what, 600? Oh, my Lord. Um, no, that can't be true. No, that would be 20. So maybe not 20. Maybe we're at like 450 to 500 yeah, minutes. Yeah, like, there's talked. no way we've talked about this for 600 minutes. But I think we've reached a span here that might be – we're not going to have any mega minutes. I think the biggest ones are – like by volume, the biggest ones are probably See, behind us. We keep us. on saying that and then we'll we'll hit another minute where we're like, let's talk for 30 minutes about the design of the cowl or I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean we're, we're kind of approaching one in, in a couple of minutes that might be like, well, yeah, this thing kind of happens. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what's kind of – so fascinating about this is going in i guess if this is a minute 30 we'll just take a minute to kind of reflect a little bit <laughs> um going in i didn't doubt that we were going to find stuff to talk about every single minute of this of this show that's why we started it right it's a Zack snyder movie yeah. Uh, there's so much to pick apart. A commentary track would be impossible because you would need to be like, okay, pause it. We're pausing it yeah, again. Yeah, like it's it, it's almost a disservice to do a, a standard commentary track to it yeah. just because like what are you going to – how are you going to explain each sort of individual thing without overlapping yeah. with, with the next thing? It's so dense. 
And so even though going in thinking, oh, there's so much to talk about every episode, there's always more than I think there is. And whether or not that's kind of breaking down a really small aspect or noticing things that is unique to kind of viewing it in this fashion, like the way that it's edited, not only into exactly one minute chunks all over the place, at least in this first 30 minutes, but also then within that you have like 10 minute groupings of um, kind of the way everything comes together. And like I mentioned at the top, then we kind of have this cycle of here's Clark's story, here's Bruce's story, here's Lex's story. And, you know, some of that is just you can chalk up to filmmaking. You know, of course, we're going to any movie needs to tell you what its characters are about, right? So it's not like, oh, they're giving us an exposition scene. How inventive. You can really see how it's building layers upon each of these sort of core ideas that started getting introduced in the first few minutes in the prologue. And now you have these different themes and they, and they'll cover it with each of the characters and they'll go back and they'll kind of add another layer. Yeah. And so it's really kind of cool seeing how seeing that in a way that you don't get to appreciate when you just watch it all in one go binge watching. Yeah. You're supposed to be paying attention to what is happening, not how it is happening. Yeah, exactly. It's been really cool so far. I, I'm interested to talk to you about Lex Luthor. Yes, another of the many characters in this that spawn a lot of conversations and and yeah. debates. He might not get the same volume of discussion because he's not as iconic as Batman or Superman. For sure. But I would say possibly more misunderstood or underappreciated than either of those ultimately are even. Yeah. What an introduction. <laughs> Yeah, especially after you brought up, you made me treasure his introduction so much more. So now that we've actually arrived at it, I can't wait. Ah, ahoy, ahoy! I did not know you were here. Man on the marquee. No, don't believe it. My father named the company after himself. He was the Lex in front of the court. How you doing? Oh, really great. Really great. Good. Good. Uh, follow me. I think that that's actually the thing that uh, I love the most about his introduction here is, first of all, it's very clearly like. The whole Silicon Valley tech bro, yeah, yeah. Kind of, I know we compared him to Jack Dorsey in an earlier episode. It just kind of yeah. the eccentric nature, and that was before he was even on screen yet, right? Mm-hmm. And now that he's on screen, and we get his like proper introduction, he he's playing basketball at the office, which is it's not even at the like a gym. It's just like out in the open air, and you know this is the kind of place I'm sure they've got like hammocks and beanbag chairs yep, yep. and a cereal bar and. But the way this whole moment plays out and the timing of it, like the fact that they walk through the door, he claps and and they and they throw it to him and he he shoots, he scores, and he turns around and waves, ahoy, ahoy. And it's so perfect and he's so socially awkward, like especially yeah. with Jesse Eisenberg. I can't get it out of my head that that whole thing was rehearsed beforehand. Yeah, and, and after you said it, it's like... When you said that, I I watched it again and thought, how did I never think? Because it it so obviously has to be. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of speaks to Lex's character, right? Like even having a basketball court in the lobby is like a is performative. Like there's no way he's a basketball player. (laughs) No, no. And like there's no way that he's just a dude that like does pick up games and sink shots like that on the regular. He 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 got rock (laughs) employees together to prepare a a opening introduction to make him look good and powerful in front of the senators he was trying to charm. This might be a disappointing thing to hear me say, but I don't actually have that much 
controversial to say about Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Like, I know people have really strong opinions on it. Uh, I do not really. You mean that as in you don't have like one way or the other or? Pretty much. Yeah. It kind of seemed like as people remember, I think we were recording an episode. Like a podcast when that was actually oh, announced. I, I remember. I remember listening to that one. Yeah, that when the news broke live. Yeah, that was bit way back before I was even uh, with Screen Rant. Yeah, I don't know how it was received in kind of a. I guess I'm on record now, so I can't claim otherwise. But it was kind of like a. Well, that's unexpected, but yeah, this must be just a different kind of character, and like the Lex that is usually in the movies. And I guess kind of in, you know, animation and and in other TV versions, it's kind of like Lex is almost a generation older Uh than Superman. And that has never actually been my experience in like the modern comics. It's it's always kind of seemed like Clark and Bruce and Lex are peers. So Mm -hmm. when when that was announced, it was, oh, okay, it would make sense for for it to be, you know, an actor of this age way, I guess, that would be really effective to differentiate Lex from Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck is to cast someone like Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter why, he, how big he is physically, that's not really why he's menacing. And it's the dude that literally was coming off of like the high of having portrayed Mark Zuckerberg yeah. in a Fincher movie. Yeah. It, which was a very different, that sentence means something different in the year 2019 yeah. than it did even in like the year 2015 or 16. Well, and par for the course with this movie, right? Where we, as we go through it and, you know, where it's in 2019, we're going through this and we keep on saying, how would this be received if it came out this year? Yeah. And there, I think there's so many, it's almost too on the nose to to work. So like if it came out in theaters today, you know, it would obviously have been adapted and changed and a lot of this stuff would be like grown worthy too on the nose because of how... Sure. But it happened before we were where we are now. And so, mm-hmm. and so I guess maybe that's the thing that's so funny about it being, you know, on the nose. Is it not too on the nose or is it too subtle? Yeah. Is that it is too on the nose, but it happened before the nose was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesse Eisenberg's character, I find him a very interesting actor in almost everything he does. So his portrayal of Lex, I find really interesting. And I think I've mentioned Superman birthright already and i think that maybe kind of set me up for this very well in which case like in that story it's all an act you know he he wants to be seen as strong he wants to be seen as powerful because he isn't and the, well, you said that there there's always like a, a generation of separation between like lex and superman where like lex or not always but it's been portrayed that way like the gene hackman lex luther is very much that way right like he's the old yep. guard and so superman is threatening to upend his way of well, and kevin spacey too even well he's supposed to be the same isn't that supposed to be like a continuation of basically the same character sure sure yeah yeah and well first of all it's funny because like i never thought that he's that far off it's one of those things where like with ben affleck i think there's some baggage with the name where like i feel like this performance if you go and watch like kevin spacey or even gene hackman's performance and line it up against this version of lex i don't think it's that like People say it's like a different character. I've heard people say he's more like like Riddler, or even people say, "Oh, he's 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 playing the Joker." They just put the Lex Luthor name tag on him. That's weird. And I like he grow this this Lex grows up into Kevin Spacey. Yeah, in Superman Returns. Totally, I totally buy that. And I really enjoyed Kevin Spacey's Lex for what it was too in that different kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so that was always really weird to me. And and I have never felt like I really had a dog in the fight because like I'm not really a Superman guy. Like, I love Superman, and I've read, you know, 
my my share of Superman, but he, I've never been like have I would feel like I had enough of a opinion of Lex to be able to say is this like true to the comics or not? Sure. But what I can say, I don't see how he's any different than yeah, like those other versions. Like I watch him and I don't it doesn't stick out in that way. Uh, what he is different from, depending on how you break it down, is the animated series version. Sure. Um, I feel like that was the version of Lex that was like sort of a power force to stand opposite Superman. He's physically <laughs> yeah. imposing. He's got that deep voice. Yeah. It's almost funny, too, because the Lex in the animated series is so close to this Bruce or well, this Batman, you know? And it's one of those things that I feel like is common with this movie also. There's complaints with... I'd say almost every character with people saying that they aren't the true version of the character um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And there's arguments of, oh, well, they violate this fundamental principle that this character is supposed to have based on, you know, whatever history. And then the response is, oh, no, well, here's a specific story where that's what they were like. Or here's a here's a comic panel of them looking that way. Like there's always kind of references on both sides of. Like I was saying, he's very different from like in personality from the animated series version. But as with like Batman and Superman, if you kind of distill him down to his sort of core values and what he's like, it it doesn't it doesn't seem like a divergence for me at all. Like even the the quote unquote powerful version in the animated series, he's fronting most of the time. There's plenty of episodes where they finally like break him down yeah. and he like cowers or, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like he's he's putting on a front just as much as this version of Lex is. Um, I feel like ultimately Lex is always kind of a coward or fearful, and that's what drives him to yeah to do. You know, he's looking. It's the we just got the the speech from um, from Alfred about fear and that like feeling powerlessness. of powerlessness that that turns yeah. good men cruel. Um, that doesn't just apply to Bruce at all. You know, Bruce and Lex have a very very similar story. Well, and um, to Superman. Yeah, you know what I mean, we're going to see a point later in the movie where he feels afraid and powerless. Yeah, and uh, well, that's Lex's whole plan and Bruce's whole exactly. plan. Both of them are trying to make him feel powerless because they want him to know what they feel like, mm-hmm. uh, or yeah, the way he causes them to feel. I, I feel very, I feel so much of this without much like passion behind it. It kind of just worked for me from the first time I saw it, and I, I like I'll maybe I'll just go into this because it's what I find most interesting about this minute is it's a very I guess like quick, you know, we kind of said about the exposition in the previous scene between Bruce and Alfred, this, uh, you kind of learn so much about Lex and his father and this company in like two lines of dialogue. I was going to say, it's fascinating how he, it, there's that shot and the ahoy ahoy. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't it, even know you were here. Yeah. It's like immediate. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, fancy, <laughs> fancy seeing you here. Like I wasn't expecting you to walk in at that moment. Uh, meanwhile, there's probably someone signaled him, sir, they're, th- they're coming through the front Absolutely. gate. Um, turn on the magnetic basketball. Yeah, exactly. It's like how quick he is to talk about his father. Yeah. Not just as a, you know, fathers are a, are a theme or parenting. Parents are, are a theme here. And they say what they say, the man on the marquee. And he immediately mm-hmm. says, Oh, no, that's, that's my father. I think that's interesting for two reasons. One, because it sort of pins him to the both Bruce and Lex are trying to live up to the legacy of their fathers. Uh, well, I mean, and Clark. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a mask that he hides behind, right? So yeah, it's one yeah. of the, all these, these, especially Lex and Bruce both have these, these masks. Uh, Bruce's mask is, is Bruce and Lex's mask is, is by talking about his dad and, and, yeah. and the company is all his dad, his dad, his dad. And it's not even as we find out, 
really the true version of his dad. It's a facade mm-hmm. that he made up about the way his dad is so that he doesn't have to talk about himself and his agenda and his goals. He can just talk about how his 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 brilliant dear dad started this company yeah. with all these brilliant ideals and he came from a place of hardship. Why? Well, he grew up with a silver spoon and he is a coward and fearful and a manipulator and and doesn't want it people to know that or talk about him so he just talks about his dad it's said and kind of to what we were saying earlier about how it's hard to really appreciate all of this stuff watching it it is so sad considering how you know like omnipresent the LexCorp name is and the literal gigantic scale of that name in the actual location and it is it's not only the lex's father's name or his baby that, you know, this is his legacy that is looming over him. And that kind of shifts when you, when we learn, like you said, more about what their relationship was like. But it, it drives home this thing for me, which I don't think I, I have totally appreciated uh, until now, which we should just stop saying that. We should have like a swear jar every time we say like, <laughs> you know, I never really noticed this until now. How much this is a story of the idea of the lessons that fathers taught their sons. And the first thing we learn about Lex's dad is that he used him as a tool to get what he wanted. Yeah. Because I remember the first time he said that, I thought, like, that's kind of, like, gross. But then the more I think about it, that's just awful. That's literally the first thing that pops into Lex's head when someone mentions that is like, no, no, my father actually lied to people about how much he cared about me to get money and build this company. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. You know. So it's like he's obviously burying that down. He's wearing a mask. But the things that were shown, it's literally the only information we're told so far about his dad is that he used him to get what he wanted. The only thing we've seen of Thomas Wayne is that he protected his own, even if it got him killed. Yeah. You know, even if it was reckless. And I think at this point, we can say that we know enough about Jonathan Kent that he – it's interesting to me because in contrast to those two, which are very clear, Jonathan – wanted to love his son and wanted him to be a good man, but was totally unable to know what that meant. He didn't know how to teach Clark. Yeah. How to, he he could teach him to love and he could teach him to be a good man and a good person. But he couldn't teach him how to leap tall buildings in a single bound. No, or be, or be a Superman, right? He had this idea of it, but. Or, or who to save and who not. I mean, that's the whole controversy over that is. Everyone he freaks out. Know. Yeah, everyone freaks out when he says maybe. When he says I should have just let them die, and he says maybe. People think that means he's saying you shouldn't try to save people. And what he's saying is I'm, I can't answer that. Yeah. Like I don't have these powers. I don't have that burden, and I can't. I can't tell you not to save them. Mm-hmm. That that seems wrong. But I also know what happens if I tell you you have to save them. Yeah. And we know, you know, from this movie, I guess we can break that down more later, but, you know, he's got a history of knowing the consequences of, of actions. Totally. The one time he kind of would have this lesson here, it ended up teaching him the opposite. So I, I do, I really, really enjoy that kind of the trio set up already in this story. We know that they are, that's exactly where they are. Batman is trying to protect when he doesn't know where to draw the line. Lex is using people to get what he wants and Clark sadly, is trying to do the right thing but doesn't have answers yet. The only other thing, I guess, in this 
it's like exposition, right? Where Lex says that is if if you don't know what it means for Lex's father to grow up in East Germany, I feel like he kind of does explain it. Like that's enough of a yeah. Like you don't have obscure... to you don't have to be a a history expert of the exactly like, yeah mid nineteenth century or mid twentieth century to be able to. Although that is really weird that Lex's dad Lex's dad would have had to have died relatively early. Yeah, you know, like not not of natural causes at this point. He because. You know, he he would have died when he was like fifty at max if Lex is not just taken over the company. And wasn't it? Isn't it um, implied that he may have killed his dad? I I would not. Uh, that's certainly an interesting thought. We know that he has reason to. I guess we find out later. But for for right now, that is kind of like um, if you do know the years, that is weird. Yeah, exactly. That's something that yeah, that is something that that um that Snyder said on on Vero once. I don't remember well, exactly. that, like who's yeah. Yeah, I just did a quick Google, and he maybe he wasn't the first person he killed or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. Um, it, it, it's it's a vague answer, which I think I kind of appreciate. Is mm-hmm. um, I don't know exactly what they asked, but he just said that's we feel the same way about Lex uh, taking out his dad, and which I think. <laughs> implies like maybe he did maybe he didn't but like i think the the question is supposed to be lingering of like that that's a thing he would do right he'd yeah. kill his dad and then use his dad as a as a figurehead in his death make him part of his story yeah that yeah he now controls the narrative of who and what his dad was and uses it to his benefit yeah the the one thing that i that stood out for me on this close examination was that lex says and i think it actually like ends the minute exactly is he talks about how his dad was born um, under tyranny, you know, like a dictatorship. So I can't, I'm not going to say his exact words, but I think he says, so I think it's Providence that I found this thing, which is kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And that's where the minute ends. And I realized, like, he doesn't say fate or it's destiny, you know, or, or anything like that. He specifically uses the word Providence, which isn't used that often now, but it, it's meant to mean like God's will, you know, like a a divine um, purpose or a divine guidance or protection. And I was thrown by it because it's another injection of religion or, or spirituality, I guess. But it automatically creates such a stark, like a, a, a really harsh context that Lex is saying, you know, well, my father was born uh, in a fascist dictatorship. So I think it's no coincidence that God wanted me to find this thing that could kill Superman. <laughs> yeah. Is is like, oh, you're a deranged person. You know, like, even for him to use it in that context is like, you are not a normal person, just to, to begin with. Also, I think it goes back into, I d- would not be <laughs> ready, you know, or inclined to believe that Lex is particularly a man of faith. So I think it kind of goes into his performance again. Oh, no, I just have to, you know, uh, people are going to assume I'm a megalomaniac, whacked out person who can't possibly feel uh, subservient to anything or anyone. So I'm just going to say that this is, you know, some divine thing that, that led me here when I guess now knowing the rest of the movie, we know fundamentally that is not what he sees this as. Yeah. Like there is no sense of divine it's like the anti <laughs> Well, he's the kind of evil and, you know, borderline possibly sociopathic, probably sociopathic, where he has nefarious intent and he's insane, but he is smart enough to have a a grip on like the the PR angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a gross way, right? Not in a charming way like like that comes effortlessly to Bruce. Yeah, well it's like there's so many so many people, both like in prominent positions of power or just like dicks on the internet 
where where it's like why are these people that way and it's like it's one thing to to kind of be that way and to crave power and to and to be cruel to people but it's there's another level of like evil genius when like there's it's shocking to me how often someone will be that way and not understand how they look to other people yeah yeah yeah. um and so i feel like that to me what you were just saying is is lex saying okay i think i am the greatest thing in the world i'm always the smartest person in the room i have the financial backing of you know more money than i could ever possibly try to spend you know he truly believes it's it's this it's the the common lex luther thing superman is insulting to him because he believes he should be the savior of the world because he has what is what is needed why don't people praise me like they praise him all he had he was born with these powers whereas i'm actually you know i guess he was too but he thinks you know he has kind of earned or become something that deserves his praise but yep. he's smart enough to know that giving credit to his dad and talking about divine providence turns people off to the idea that he's just a ego megalomaniac. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he's well-meaning or, you know, more well-meaning than he seems. Yeah. Oh, he's just, right. he's just eccentric as opposed to like, oh, wait, no, this guy is so full of himself. Yeah. Yeah, there it's actually interesting because we we talked all about we talked about the beginning of this at the end of the last minute just because there's a little bit of carryover. Yep. But we're, we're talking about how a lot of these minutes are so clean that the bath scene ends on exactly the minute marker going into the Bruce scene and we get a clean minute of that. But then that next minute is not clean, right? So it's we mm-hmm. we go like 10 or so seconds into this scene to finish that Alfred quote. I don't necessarily think it was arranged this way, but just, you know, I guess as Providence would have it, the minute opens with the ending of Alfred's turn good men cruel speech in the Lex Luthor minute, right? This is a minute mm-hmm. where we're talking about Lex, but we get the holdover of the Bruce minute and that that um, fear of powerlessness turning good men cruel is really the the uniting bond between the two of them. You mentioned in the last minute Bruce's body language. And at the beginning of this minute, that's actually on front and center, where he looks like a kid that's like in detention or yeah. something. Like it's a weird, like he's 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 slouched, he's like looking down, he's like glaring at Alfred, like uh, like looking up at him. It's like a really so closed off and like almost petulant. I want my way, and you're challenging. You're trying to make me like feel guilty or like challenge my moral compass, and yeah. then. And then we cut to Lex, who who has no moral compass, right? Because he is, like, liberated of this code that Batman is still fighting against. Yeah. Um, like, the, the, the new rules for Lex have always been the rules. Um, yeah. And so, whereas Batman is, like, mad about the constraints of this, of this code that he has been attempting to cast off, um, Lex is just reveling in it, and he's in the bright light and he's sinking three point shots and he's meeting with senators and he's <laughs> he's scheming and he's happy or at least putting on a face of of happiness which is such a great contrast to you know coming out of the bat cave and yeah. bruce and and fear of powerlessness right into this yeah where um i guess in the next minute we're going to find out about lex's fear of um powerlessness Red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. 
And this is this bat- is, sorry. <laughs> this is why every episode you're like, do we really have to say this every time? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, like I don't want to say welcome anymore. It sounds funny. 